The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life. I'm Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my host, Leah Mattinson, in the show that gives you insight, inspiration, and intelligence, and tries to get us all thinking about who are we and who do we really want to be. So, Leah, how has your week been? Well, my week has been absolutely fantastic, Howard. <laughs> And this week, why it's been fantastic is because we've been blessed with having our grandson here staying with us for the next five or six days while my daughter takes her doula training. So little uh, our little dude is uh, two and a half years old, and it's just been an absolute pleasure to have him around. But one of the things that we've noticed is uh, just how much um, TV kids are exposed to, and one of the things I think uh, my daughter's done really well is to edit what it is that he watches uh, and but flipping through the channels here to try and find him something on the TV that was kind of age appropriate and that I didn't feel like would you know um, affect him was really difficult everything is sort of violent and you know this kind of competitive beating up um, or being completely silly like stupid silly not not silly funny uh, so I was just kind of drawn to this awareness of how, uh, our, our little people are being affected all the time by the stuff that they're, you know, inundated with. And, and so on a bigger, uh, level that that goes out, you know, to the rest of us too. And just how do we manage all this, this kind of information that is not, uh, I don't think anyway, from my judgment, good for us. Uh, and, and so that's kind of been what we've been grappling with this week. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's so interesting that you're able to articulate that and pay attention to that because I think it's it's really a huge issue for all of us. Um, I think it's certainly an issue for children. Um, and the fact is <laughs> that what you put into your head, what you put into your mind, what you put into your brain shapes shapes your brain, literally. I mean, it shapes your brain literally. And I don't think that people understand that. They don't understand that if they are continually exposed to something, they're shaping, literally shaping the neural pathways in their brain, particularly when you're younger. 
Um, don't want to get too sophisticated here and too much science, but the fact is we are born with like 100 billion neurons and a gazillion connections, all sorts of possibilities, mm -hmm. all sorts of possibilities there, a sort of huge architecture. But as we get older, and particularly beginning in the teen years, those pathways, all those potentials that have not been used sort of get deconstructed and taken down and and and. So then the possibility as we get a little older, as we um, get, get older, it's a little more difficult to learn things. It's not quite so natural and easy. And of course, that's a common experience. But what's actually happening is the brain is being shaped by what you put into it. And um, I, think it's a, I think it's very relevant in terms of what parents allow their children to experience and see and watch and play with and all of that. But it's also true for the rest of us. Yeah, and there was this really uh, just interesting, uh, somebody was speaking at an event that I was at this uh, week, and it was just about um, kind of on the global village side of things, the internet of things, that even in, you know, when people go and do the humanitarian efforts in third world countries and they take pictures of kids, um, that what they had noticed while they were over on these, in these humanitarian efforts where these kids would have no toilets, no clean water, but they have smartphones. Right. And that they've been given, yeah, that they've been, they have been given smartphones. So they mm -hmm. don't actually have basic needs, but they have the ability to escape and live in this fantasy world because they have smartphones, which may seem innocent enough or, well, that's cool. Um, but from a, you know, like a growing uh, and managing your real life, this escaping into fantasy isn't a healthy thing. And, and it's very star a very stark example when you look at it from, from that lens, but it happens all the time here too. And it doesn't seem to matter what the age is. Uh, I have lots of friends that you can hardly will go out for dinner or go out to a social event, even a fundraiser. And, you know, people who I, I think would have thought would have had great communication skills and be able to sit in a group of people and visit, almost look insulted when you sit down beside them like, <laughs> because they're busy on their phone. Um, you know, so there's been this huge transition of, you know, kind of the social skills and connecting with people on a real level to... Uh, that technology has taken over this place in our lives in such a, a concrete way. And it leads me to wonder if people even, you know, think about um, how do you feel after you've been plugged in all day long? How mm. do you feel after you've been, mm. you know, plugged in watching either good stuff or do you feel differently when you've been plugged in and watching things that are, you know, exhausting, fighting, violence? So do you have any kind of insights about that, Howard? Yeah, it, you know, it's very interesting. I, I personally don't really watch a lot of television. Uh, mm -hmm. I like watching sports on TV. Um, and obviously, there's a major event unfolding. I like to be able to see what's going on. But I really don't watch a whole lot. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife likes to watch um you know, home and garden TV and, and stuff like that. And that's, that's pretty innocuous, but there was a while, there was a time, um, maybe three or four years ago, um, where, um, she was watching NCIS, which is a crime show, you know, and, you know, right. there'd be two yeah. or three episodes back to back. And I said to her, you know, what are we doing? I know this is drama and it's fiction and it's all that. But for the last three hours, we've had, you know, rapists and mass murder and all of that stuff in our living room. 
and really, do we really need to do that? And, um, you know, I think we realize that even if it's just on in the background and you, you think you're not paying attention to it, that's what you're bringing into your space. And, yes. um, you know, I think it's, I think it's very important for people to be mindful. They say, well, I'm not really paying attention to it. Well, in subtle ways you are and it's influencing mm-hmm. you. You know? Yeah, whether yeah, whether or not you think you are, your brain yes, is, exactly. and the wiring, very intentional, the very intentional uh, wiring of violence and sexuality together, fire in the brain together, mm-hmm. and, yeah. they, and they do change. Uh, you know, they heighten our awareness, they heighten us. Um, our brain lights up in certain segments of the brain that are like being on different kinds of drugs. So, you, whether or not. You know what, even music, so when you're laughing when you're saying that your lovely bride was listening to or watching the Home and Garden Network, I got into watching, oh, um, oh go, like some gold mining show with my, my youngest son. And, and then I left the kitchen or left to come into the kitchen from the living room. And I thought he was watching the same show because the music was exactly the same from uh, there was like a fishing show that would be, you know, they're in the middle of. Uh, the Arctic fishing for lobster fishing, but and then they're in, in the Yukon digging for gold, and so every single show has the same musical soundtrack, and it's specifically oh, wired that way, yeah, so mm. that you mm. are drawn back to that thing Backs. again and again. Mm. But they they really have turned these mundane tasks. I can tell you as a farm girl, um, having cultivated for hours and hours and hours and hours, that's mind numbing. And right. so is digging in a pile of rocks. <laughs> so somehow <laughs> they have made this, you know, this gold mining or whatever the thing is that you're watching be just super exciting and totally fully charged and you're right. completely emotionally lit up. But in the real world, that's not actually how it is. You're, you know, you're freezing your butt off on a boat, soaked to the mm-hmm. bone, starving. You, right. yeah, <laughs> so exactly. it's not glorious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. But they've made yeah. things glorious. Yes. Yeah, that, and that's another thing, the sort of misrepresentation of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly is a problem too, because I think it gives people false perceptions about any of these, any of these things. Um, and so again, I think it's really, really important to be mindful. We talk about any media, we talk about television, we talk about your laptop, any me- to be mindful of what you to really pay attention if it's on to what's going on and if not turn it off and you need to turn it off a lot of the time interestingly i I came across some research the other day um that's sort of relevant it uh, was australian research done maybe a couple years ago they found the mortality rate was way higher in people who watch more than four hours of tv a day i mean way higher and and that was controlling for all sorts of health factors. If you watched, and I forget what the figure was, but it was if you watch more than four hours compared to people who watch less than two, your mortality rate was like 50% higher. And, um, <laughs> you know, first of all, just sitting for four or five hours doing nothing apart from watching TV is, is clearly not healthy from an activity point of view, but also from a mental perspective. What is going into your head? What is going into your head? Because what's going into your head is affecting your mind, unless you have some control over that. And so it's that whole, the waking up. And I think people who are listening to this show, a lot of them are awakened to the fact that they are feeling uh, some level of, you know, discomfort or not, unhappiness, or just they want better for their life. 
and we're so uh, lit up by the drama. I wonder if people, um, you know, when we're little, and again, because my grandson is here, I can see the difference between his little being lit up because everything is wow, wow, wow. And as adults, (laughs) we've completely lost that um, the uh, wow factor in life and instead it's almost like we fill up the wow side of things with drama and the mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. wounds and the that that sort of thing it leads me to wonder if people you know do, like what's this intersection between science and spirituality in this and are people aware that there is this really critical intersection that is happening um within them within their own structure when they're so engaged in uh, either tv or uh, all the things that are on their phones. Right, the external. And I don't know if people right? are aware of that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's easy to become drama junkies. I'm thinking of a, of a former client of mine. He had a rather sort of drama slash maybe his slightly hysterical mom. And uh, when she came home from school, <laughs> her mom would say, well, what happened today at school? And, you know, the, the, this woman, then a young girl, say, well, nothing. And her mom would say, well, make something up. You know, it was as if she, she needed drama to communicate. Um, and, you know, I feel as if, you know, a lot of us are like that. You know, if there isn't some sort of dramatic thing going on, we're bored. And, uh, you know, switch to the next thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, um, it's concerning, I think. Uh, now, of course, people who raised in this generation say that's just what we've grown up with and we can handle it and deal with it. But I don't think it's quite as simple as that. I, I, I think mm-hmm. there's an underestimation of the impact of being switched on all the time and you know seeking external stimulation uh, and maybe not taking yeah. time to interact with it. Yeah, and there's a really great little check-in I get to do, my clients to do. It's just kind of on that scale of 1 to 10, you know, 1 being, you know, not at all, 10 being, you know, all the time, or I feel great, is where do you actually, you know, put yourself in terms of your emotional wellness on this scale? Like, do are you primarily happy? And and what does that actually feel like to think about? What does it feel like to be happy? Hmm. And a lot of people have no, they're so out of touch with the happy factor I go, well, I don't know. I, I know what it feels like to be distressed. I know what it feels like to be scared. I know what it feels like to be, you know, under the gun financially. I know what it feels like to be fearful of the world I live in. Uh, I know all of those feelings. But my actual happiness, gee, I don't really know. <laughs> so I say, well, if you don't know, how would other people in your life describe you? Would they say, um, would they say my mom is primarily happy? Would they say that she is, you know, excited about her life? Would they say she's positive, optimistic, uh, energetic, vital? And then as you go through those little sort of identifiers, you can see people, literally their face will start to fall because they realize that they're so far away from happy. And it's the number one metric when we say, what do people want in life? Mm-hmm, oh, I want to be happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, and, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, and you know there is a, there is a difference between what the average uh, the average person in the street thinks of happiness and and what science scientists who study it think of happiness. You know, a lot of people 
um, you know, take the word as it's used sort of somewhat literally, which means sort of fleeting pleasure. Oh, I'm having a good time. I'm happy. Um, but when science mm-hmm. looks at what happiness really is, that's not what it is. It is something much more enduring, much deeper to do with purpose. Um, and, and it's got really nothing to do with temporary pleasure. It's, it's really to do with feeling good about yourself, what you're doing, and feeling purposeful and having meaning and good relationships. And that's what really defines happiness. Yeah, and feeling like we are the ones who are in control of that happiness, which means that we are able to select from a range of options. And again, it's like, curiously enough, when when things come up in life, we often look to external people to provide us answers. Uh, and you and I were talking about this before the show, Howard, just how shocking it is um, as things have come up in, in my life in this last, you know, I don't know, six months or so. I've had clients come to me and ask me, well, what do you think of this particular dream, for example? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, I don't know. You were powerful enough to create the dream. <laughs> like, don't you mm-hmm. think you could just ask what the dream is about? And they mm-hmm. look at me like I, I have got, you know, four eyes. <laughs> no, really, you don't need to come to a... You know, it, it's like, what, are, what is your internal body telling you? It's like when we talk about sitting in front of a TV can make you physically ill. Mm-hmm. What is your body telling you? You don't need to go to the doctor to know that you're physically not doing well. Because when you get up and you hurt or you feel sick to your stomach or you feel headachey or any of those things, we've become so used to feeling in that state and saying, oh, I need to go to the doctor to get this fixed. Or I need to go to a guru mm-hmm. to get that mm-hmm. fixed. Or I need mm-hmm. to go to my teacher to understand this particular thing um, that we've handed away like all of this internal wisdom that we have. And that is where happiness resides is in the internal ability to manifest um, good feelings and positive experiences and passion because nobody external to you can give you your mission. Right. Right. Nobody can give you the vision that happens for your life. Right. And, and control definitely is part of happiness, feeling you have control over your destiny, which we will talk about more in the second section of the show on Master Your Life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my wonderful co-host, Leah Mattinson. Today, we're talking about what you put into your brain and mind really influences it, which is the media that's out there, the all of the things that bombard us and get our attention. How much control do we really have? Because those things absolutely influence us. Leah was talking at the beginning of the show about her uh, young grandson, you know, she's very careful, as is his mother, about what he is exposed to. And that is actually very, very important because what you're exposed to, what you put into your brain is what you get out of it. You're training it every time you're paying attention to something. So we do need to be more discerning about it. We were also talking about how that ties into happiness, that happiness in many ways is is not external, it's really internal, about having meaning and control over your life. And, and interestingly, Leah, for a, a project that I was doing, I was doing some research on happiness, and there's something called the World Happiness Report um, that comes out pretty much every year. And the recent report um, looked at, you know, what most people think of happiness and, and the issue of money comes up. And so really what the situation is, is that money doesn't buy you happiness. However, if you're struggling with money, um, that is very stressful. Okay, and uh, Daniel Kahneman, the guy who won the psychologist, who won the Nobel Prize for economics, you know, one of my idols because he really has researched a lot about how the mind really works and how we think, says that you know money up to about in U.S. terms seventy-five thousand dollars a year is an issue. After that, it does not have any impact on happiness whatsoever, and I think that that's true. I think that people um, confuse the stress of not having money and it's nice not to have that stress but that is not the same as happiness and in fact the variable that influenced happiness way more than money or other things the variable was mental health anxiety and depression um and you know one of the recommendations in this report is we need to do more to manage anxiety and depression that would help people be happier and i think that's true what what would you say to that yeah, I would completely agree. And and again, having been a coach for the past, you know, almost 30 years, that that is the thing I think families struggle with the most and little people, um, you know, but I've got this range, age range of kids that I've been involved with <clears throat> because I'm not 25 anymore darn <laughs> no i'm thankful for that 26 <laughs> I know, so surprising. 27 surprising they get 27 ish <laughs> would make all my my all the stepkids older than me <laughs> but what what we saw with the older uh kids that i raised where they were not um they, they just weren't inundated with things like facebook didn't exist you know i grew up on a farm with a party line so and my dad wouldn't actually let me on the phone because my mom was on call. So she would actually have to be able to have access to the landline. And so for those of you who are too young to know what that is, you know, I'm, I'm sorry because you missed a really good experience. <laughs> but I didn't have phone calls coming from the school um, of my fr- friends 24 hours a day giving me an opinion about what they thought about my hair or my makeup or the clothes I was wearing. I only got that at school. And then I got relief from it all mm-hmm. when I mm-hmm. came home. There mm-hmm. was also Absolutely. only three channels of TV. Yep. Yeah, and I remember being in about grade seven and or eight, and my dad saying, 
uh, I was homesick from school. And so I flipped on the TV in the middle of the day. And he said, are you sure you want to watch that? It was some soap opera playing. And, and I said, why not, Dad? And he goes, well, I can tell you what. If you actually watch that today, I want you to think about all the things that you're learning and we'll talk about it later. And so we did talk about it later. I watched an hour of, I can't remember which soap opera it was, but he said, so what did you learn? So I, I told him and he said, well, you know what? 30 years from now, it is going to be the exact same people telling the exact same story. And he was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. those, so I just made a decision at that point that it was a total waste of my time. But I was able to do that because it was easy. There was not, not TV or phones around all the time. So now we have this whole group of young people who all they have been exposed to is, you know, violence, bullying, uncertainty, because they see it scrolling in on their phones every single day. And from a very young age, because lots of children have smartphones now for a variety of reasons and, um, you know, safety, we want to make sure that we're able to get a hold of our kids, but they still have access to all this information that uh, not not just children's brains, but even adult brains have a hard time reconciling. Like we don't do well with a lot of information. We don't do well with a lot of choice. Um, and we get, we do things then in response to all of this uncertainty to numb out. Part of that, I think, shows up in mental health with anxiety and depression. It also shows up with addictions. You know, we're mm-hmm. numbing out because there's so much pain coming into our psyche all the time that unless we you know can get this protective coating on uh, and not allow things in to attack our psyche and so I know that it's like we, t- we talk a lot about thinking about things but I wonder if people think about you know protecting their soul like we don't just have a brain we also have a heart and a soul and like do you know that you actually have one and do you check in with yours ever <laughs> because if you, if you realize that you have a soul that exists in your body, then you understand why when you watch certain things or when you intake certain things, why you feel so depleted, why you feel so, you know, disenergized. And then, then you can go from the, well, that's not just a brain activity. That is a soul activity. And what am I going to do to protect my brain and my soul? And so this whole coming back to anxiety and depression, that people are on the you know, science slash, there's a real intersection again between science and spirituality happening now. So all of these things that spiritualists, and that's not religion, spiritualists mm-hmm. believed for a very long time about, um, you know, this connection of the heart to the, to the mind, the heart-mind mm-hmm. connection is now being, um, you know, shown to be a real thing because science has been able to measure some of these things, but it's always existed uh, I think what the benefit now is, is that people who were perhaps um, cr- uh, crit- critical or didn't believe that uh, to be the state of things, to understand that anxiety and depression are spiritual. They're a spiritual problem. They're a spiritual disease. They happen in the soul, not the brain. Because you can't outthink anxiety and depression. The more you think about anxiety and depression, the more anxious and depressed you become. Right. And, would you agree and, with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, different people would argue different things. You know, where do you intervene? Um, you know, can you intervene at the level of biology? Uh, can you intervene? So that would be medications or other things that, you know, for example, brain training. We've had Dave Seaver on our show a couple of times, and he's talked about the ability to retrain the brain. So there's biology at one end, um, very significant, I think. Um, and then there is 
your experiences, all the experiences you've had, or your autobiographical experiences influence you, and and some, and, and also influence mm. biology. And then there's your narrative and framework in terms of how you see the world and see yourself, and your sort of big beliefs. Um, and then there's any ideas that you have at any one point, and then right at the end of that are the choices that you make. You know, and um, I think that. In terms of, of managing life, you, in a way, if you're certainly if your biology is is off, you need to intervene at that level for sure. But you, we need to intervene at all of these levels. We need to make sure that the narratives that we write are, are, that we have are appropriate. That it's the right from, framework. That we see ourselves accurately and adaptively. Uh, that the thoughts that flow from that. Um, uh, you know, we're discerning about that. We're not just accepting any old thing that comes into our head. And, um, you know, that's going to ultimately lead to, I think, feeling more in control, better choices, um, and a sense of purpose and, you know, to happiness, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. And I think the biological piece um, the biology physiology connection we've talked about that lots on the show you know managing your nutrition and your sleep and all those you know your inputs and all that good stuff the, the other piece is understanding the, on the feeling side of things forgiveness compassion understanding patience caring which are all directed towards yourself and loving yourself loving the self and that's again not a brain function that is like a, a soul spiritual science you know that intersection of those two things so people um thinking your way or that you know the same thinking that created the problem is not the thinking that's going to help you out of the problem and so a lot of Correct. times disconnecting from the head yep. is the thing that the person needs to do in order to um you know become well and to have that whole the ability to self-assess from a compassionate not a critical level because when we're you know, being critical of ourselves, again, that is the driver of the anxiety and depression. I feel anxious about my life because I'm not good enough or things in my life aren't good enough. And I feel sad about it because <laughs> the situation right. is I can't do anything about it. Yep. And, of course, um, so many of us have those those feelings of inadequacy or um, there's something wrong. We're not perfect. And I don't know that anyone's perfect. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure they're not. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it's, it's where do you choose to focus and uh, what choices you make? And in fact, are they really choices or are they just, you know, by the time we've worked through biology and experience and framework and narrative and ideas, when you get to them, are you really making a conscious choice? Are you really being driven by all those other factors? Um, you know, I think that's a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and so then how do you, you know, get rid of those, the other factors in your life so that you do have the ability to see yourself through a lens that's more um, like forgiving. And right now, how do you come up with the metrics that you're measuring yourself? And when we loop right back to the beginning of the show, just talking about we measure ourselves by the things that we ingest, you know, so the whole uh, mm -hmm. how we look, how we feel, how we parent, how we our friends, how we show up, how much success we have, how much money we have. Like those are all determined by you know, the, the external um, factors and am I good enough or am I not good enough? And I think we get so numbed out. That's what I hear from people all the time. 
like when you actually ask a direct question, well, how do you feel about yourself? Most of the time, hmm. you can't answer that. It's yeah, like, that's I'm, right. I'm yep. okay. Yep. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, that's I'm true. That's fine. right. Yeah. If you ask people. Yeah, or to my come kids up are with, okay. Yeah, that's right. If you ask people to come up with 12 adjectives that describe themselves, a lot of people have real difficulty doing that. They just do. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, again, not enough inner focus, perhaps. Um, not enough detaching from the external world and really digging into the internal one, um, which obviously is, is so critical. As it drives yeah. And believe me, there's good stuff in there. Like, people need to, I think, I think people, there's a lot more perfection internally in people than they even have a clue of. Uh, and again, I'm just given hope from having our little grandson around here because he is perfect. He is this little perfect, mm-hmm. you know, guy. And when babies are brought into the world, we don't look at them and go, wow, you, you know, your life's going to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't look at them like wow you're dumb you're dumb with a sack of dry hair <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you're so stupid mm-hmm. and that is how we talk to ourselves mm, um, and it right. ha- starts happening at about age seven and so you know as soon as kids get in school age six or seven yeah. you know prior to that if they grow up in a home that's fairly reasonable they still think they're pretty awesome and they are mm-hmm. and we and we are too somehow we've gotten so self-critical and harsh on each other you know, uh, again, just sitting around listening to people, how they were so uninterested in our own lives and how awesome our own lives can be that we talk about other people incessantly, I think, don't even know that that we do that. You know, the whole gossiping thing about the neighbors and just, you know, so-and-so is doing this. And, and I, I'm shocked at the level of... Um, just people not being interested in their own life and their own internal journey and the lack of happiness. Uh, and I think, again, it's just this huge disconnect from when we're little people and that, uh, that that is the only thing we ever actually have to figure out is trying to keep that little spirit intact, like that little spirit of happiness and joy and contentment and things are fun and thrilling and sometimes challenging, uh, but just that it's, uh, Isaac always says, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, that's his, mm-hmm. <laughs> want to yeah. do this? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you yep. know, he's, uh, he's just happy. And not that he's, ha- you know, he'll have, have a meltdown occasionally, but it's just, that's, it's an occasional thing. I hear adults who are melting down all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah so yeah, I, I am hopeful as I watch him. <laughs> Yes, that's good. I think we should be. I, I, I think it's interesting. I saw some research again the other day um, that young children particularly haven't really developed the binary brain, you know, thinking of things as either or, it's this or that. They haven't really developed that. And so actually there's a great example is if you say to a young child, look, you can have the ice cream or the cookie, okay, which is binary brain thinking. Their answer is, well, right. why can't I have both? And everyone says, oh, he's yes. just, being gre- just being greedy. But actually, <laughs> part of it, part of it isn't. It's they don't understand that arbitrary division. They don't understand mm-hmm. why, why can't I have both? Why have you why have you arbitrarily divided the world like that? That's not how the, the, a young child mind work. And in many ways, that's a good thing. And so that's part yeah. of why you see this sort of enthusiasm and spirit and joy in children mm-hmm. that 
you know, gets lost as we as we grow up and have to deal with all of this input and organize it and relate to it and and you know all of that. Um, and uh, there's a lot to be said for that. So I love that story about Isaac. Okay. So when we come back on the other side of Master Your Life, perhaps we can come up with some practical things that people can do to perhaps get more in touch with themselves, perhaps develop more spirituality, or just to unplug from all the external forces that are trying to get our attention. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm host Leah Mattinson, along with my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin, and today we are talking about how to unplug and find happiness, uh, get out of the mainstream, get out of our heads, and and get back into uh, finding joy and our authentic sort of selves through forgiveness, compassion, understanding, patience, and caring towards ourselves. And as usual in our shows, the last segment is saved for the pragmatics of, well, how exactly do we do all this wonderful stuff? So how do we help other people to dispel the fear that's around them? Howard, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think part of it is is that question we ask, who are you and who do you want to be? Um, what do you want your life to look like? And forget about material things here. Um, in many ways, this isn't about material things. It is up to a point, obviously. People don't want to be so stressed working from month to month and trying to find struggle to pay their mortgages and all of that. We understand that. But if you could just rise above that, and I realize for a lot of people that is a big, big challenge, so I'm not minimizing that. But if you could just rise above the material things in life, okay, if you could rise above that, what would you be doing? What would you want to be doing? What would, how would you want to feel if you're not chasing money or worrying about it? And I think when you get to that, typically is there are things that people would like to do for themselves because they enjoy doing them, and that's relaxation. Um, often those are things that don't really involve a lot of other people, you know. Um, doing stuff for other people, being of service, I think, is a huge one. And again, question of time these days, who's got time to do that? Well, there is time to do that. You've got to find the right outlet. But I think all of us would benefit enormously from being of service. 
And and recognizing, as you said earlier, Leah, you have control. You don't have to have the TV on all the time. In fact, you don't have to have it on any other time. And by the way, we haven't talked about the commercials. We've talked about the content. But if you don't watch TV, if you don't watch TV for a week and then turn it on again, probably the thing that will hit you the most are the commercials. Actually, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. right. <clears throat> and so, yeah, they, go ahead. I was just going to say they almost. It's like driving into the city when you haven't been in the city for a really long time. It almost is breath. It takes your (laughs) breath away. Actually, how um, like caustic commercials are, and they are caustic. You feel like if you're even sort of sensitive to anything, like you're being attacked, and that can be anything from you know the the latest toy to buy your child uh, to the latest medication that's got more side effects (laughs) than your actual illness. You know, so when you when yep. you watch this, uh, or the things that you're not aren't good enough, you know, so you need to go have um, mm-hmm. this treatment done here or that treatment done there, and you don't own enough, and you're not secure enough for your future. You don't have stuff put away for your retirement. You know, <laughs> there's yep. there's just it's one one lacking thing after another. There's no commercials that come on that go, wow, you are awesome, and you don't right. need a darn thing. I don't see that ever. <laughs> We've got no, nothing to peddle you because you're pretty damn good already. <laughs> right, unless you're watching a sort of public service announcement, but but even then, um, but it's certainly true that you know those are problems for sure. Mm-hmm. And when we look at it, you know, kind of through a, co- a, a comedic lens, it is funny. It's actually funny how amped up or ramped up things are and you think really is do we actually think that that little of ourselves that we would feel like we need to run after that particular thing Uh, because when you watch the content of the commercial you know most of of the stuff that is is peddled quote-unquote is not things that we actually need getting back to your first point which is you know if you don't look at the external things that you need so much of the material things then what is it that would really bring you to this state of you know a lack of fear um, or presence of contentment, the presence of happiness, the presence of serenity, and that, you know, the absence of anxiety, the absence of stress, the absence of depression, and the the part of um, not just giving things, like not just doing things for other people. Uh, we've talked on other episodes about the power of meditation and how meditation can actually disconnect us from all of the external stuff and how the external stuff doesn't actually matter. It's the internal work that matters and connecting with kind of this bigger um, uh, light or energy in the universe and then sending out those same thoughts that we would want to have for ourselves about happiness, gratitude, love, compassion. And then when we tap into that, it's like sitting in the full spectrum of the sun because it fills us up. It fills us up. It makes us feel good. And in the bigger universe of things, it sends healing and love and light and energy out to other people. And if people are kind of going, well, that's pretty ethereal. I don't quite get that. It's too hokey pokey. Just think about it. Like if you got out of bed in the morning in a really loving frame of mind for people who like to stay in their heads. (laughs) But if you got out of bed in a really loving spirit and and you see the first thing in your mirror is you. And that instead of looking at yourself and going, wow, I'm just like look at my hair is crazy and I look like hell and man, I got, you know, too many freckles. Oh, that's me, not you. <laughs> you know, what, 
whatever the thing is that you're not happy with, it was looking at yourself and going, wow, I'm awesome. God did a pretty good job here. <laughs> and coming out and sharing that with your family. And God did a pretty good job with them too. And that's awesome. And, and so, you know, being grateful for that group of people that is sharing your space in the morning versus coming out and being in that negative uh, spirit, which I see so many people do. And it sets the tone for the day. Uh, and so those are really pragmatic, easy things to institute in your family. And your family would probably look and go, what happened to you? You usually get out of bed and you're all grumpy in a storm cloud and you're half awake and, you know, no energy. But instead you decided to get out of bed with this completely different energy. And it changes the spirit in your house. It changes the joy that your kids go to school with. It changes the way your partner looks at you and how much love that you're able to give and receive, um, you know, from each person and to each person. And then you take that out to the greater world. And that just changes everything. You know, the anxiety is gone. The depression is gone because you've contributed to the most important things. Your uh, self-respect, your self-esteem, your self-stamina, and that of the people who live with you. Well, well, you know, you make a really good point. Again, it's about making a conscious choice about what you are attending to. You know, one of the things that, you know, I suspect a lot of people do first thing, they wake up in the morning, they reach for their phone, they check their email, they check, you know, whatever, Facebook, they check the news, you know, right off the, before the, even, you know, a few minutes awake, they've dived right back into it, rather than doing some of the things that you're talking about, getting more in touch with um, themselves, what they want to achieve, um, the feelings for their other family members, you know, focusing more on the things that matter rather than, and that, you know, I've used this term before, rubbernecking about all these other things that are out there um, that, you know, have questionable value. I mean, not that they're useless, but I think you've got to have control over them. Otherwise, they're going to control you. Right. You make a really good point, I think, too, Howard, is that whole, it's the control uh, and getting back within our within ourselves. And I, again, I heard some great quote, I think it was Michael Tessarian, and I'm not sure if it's his quote or somebody else's, uh, but we get on such a mission. His point was, we're getting, we get on such a mission, and we don't even know what mission we're on. Uh, but an oak seed is an oak seed. And when an oak seed is an oak seed, it will only become an oak. <laughs> you know, within right. a potato seed is a potato, not a daffodil. You know, so within us, when we feel this pressure to perform or to be something that we're not or to try to measure up, just remembering that within each of us is our little seed that is already there and that it's our job just to nurture that seed with as much um, kindness as we can. And when we do that with ourselves, it's so easy to do it with other people. Uh, when our focus is that we're, you know, a, a daffodil and that we're trying to be a tiger, <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're off, um, we're off our path and we mm -hmm. feel this disconnect between the vision of, you know, what we think we're supposed to be and the reality right. of that's actually what's within us. And so there is this huge um, disconnect. So when people can just get back to the seed of what's already within them and understand their own, um, you know, sacred geometry, their own internal structures, the things that make them special that they were endowed with at birth. You know, yeah. not, and not everyone is endowed to be a musician. Right. Not yeah, everyone, yeah. but That's some right. people are. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so, so taking yeah, those talents that we have, nurturing those. Yeah, one time in, in, in therapy, I had an inspirational <laughs> moment. Somebody was talking about how they really didn't fit in with their family and their disappointment mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. And I said, well, you think you're an ugly duckling, but actually you're a beautiful swan. Mm-hmm. And um, that is true for a lot of people. Is what you're talking about. They they have some sort of criteria which they feel they need to measure up, but they discount themselves. You know, and you know what? Sometimes you may not be awesome, and you may not feel awesome, but we have the potential to be awesome. And yes. I think and that's so. What part are those of- things that we would do? Yeah, to figure out the awesome pieces. What are the things that we need to get need to do to get quiet enough to even feel like to get out of the numbness? Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking about people having difficulty describing themselves, but I think if you mm-hmm. probed people the right way and said, "Well, what sort of things do you really get excited about? What sort of things do you think you're good at?" You know, and it really doesn't matter what that is. You know, um, not everyone can be you know an emeritus professor or a great. Sp- athlete or what have you but all of us have got some talents um and and i see people minimize their talents and it's about understanding that and seeing how they can be used and developing them and trying and being okay with them um right and again remembering not yeah that people it's like this whole again coming back to how we measure ourselves an emeritus professor and a really world-class athlete Buddha was not, Jesus was not, Noah was not, <laughs> you know, so there's Correct. Albert Einstein was not. So all of the people, mm-hmm. maybe Albert Einstein was some sort of prof, professor, and, but in the world of things that how we measure things or how we measure things that matter, um, I, can, I can tell you that in my life, uh, so my mother could, is world, in, in terms of when you look at people who are what you would want to be, humble kind, compassionate, gentle, um, genuine, cares about other people, spends most of her time taking care of other people or praying about other people. And Mm -hmm. she is not an emeritus professor, nor is she a world-class athlete, but she's, you know, a big fan of a lot of things. And, and so it's going like who, you know, so when you're trying to figure out the measurement of yourself, remember, uh, that the people who that that it doesn't it's not your label it's what it is that you go to bed with every single night and wake up with every morning that your spirit is in integrity as and is intact and that you're bringing your own best light to the world your light and so that is not about how brilliant you are i know people who have down syndrome who bring more Mm -hmm. happiness Mm -hmm. to somebody's day than people who are you know at, at the nobel level Right. So, so, yep. so really take stock of your gifts and realize how how much influence you can have in bringing that little spark to the world that you were given. Because we were all given one. You know, right. So you just have to figure out how to give yours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just on a point, I think Einstein was actually a pretty good hockey player. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Um, His um, wife was great. <laughs> She was good at basketball, I think. But, uh, <laughs> she probably was. You know, the, there's, a, there's a, an expression, of course, the meek shall inherit the earth. And what that expression doesn't mean that, you know, people who are wimpy and don't have any confidence are going to inherit the earth. That's not what the meek means. The meek there is referring to people like your mother, 
Okay, the mm-hmm. meek are people who don't get carried away with anger. Um, you know, manage their emotions and focus on love and compassion and forgiveness. That's what that expression mm-hmm. means. And I, I think you're exactly right. You know, don't we? Unfortunately, we live in a society where all of these labels and status is so important, but we overvalue that. We overvalue mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. And so, part of the message is here accept who you are, know who you are, be who you want to be, develop those skills, develop your talents, and be okay with that. Yeah, and love the hell out of yourself. <laughs> Like hey, love you who you are. It's more than acceptance. It's like love. And mm. and if you love who you are, uh, then you're able to love other people. Uh, you yes. are only able to give the love that you feel about yourself out to the world. And that's not conceit or being cocky or any of that. Real, like real self-love is having very positive self-regard for yourself and and just managing those internal emotions, you know, making making good decisions through a range of options. And when you don't make good decisions, forgiving yourself and understanding that other people have the same struggles. And that's what connects us as human beings. But that real deep uh, soul love is what we are able to give out. So when we go, oh, I don't have time to love myself, or I don't have time to take care of myself, uh, it's like you're doing the opposite of what you're trying to bring out into the world. So when you're trying to bring out magnificence in the world or love in other people, the only way you can facilitate that right. is by having a really clean internal house and continuing to do the housekeeping because it never ends. Right. And, and, and what we're talking about here is, um, as Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. You know, live that, live that. Live forgiveness, live grace, live love, because you can't expect any of that back if you don't give it out, Billy. So, well, that's been a great show, Leah. I hope our um, listeners have enjoyed it. I certainly have enjoyed the conversation with you, and I hope you have a great week. And uh, we'll be back next week on Master Your Life. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.